Um, so I love nature. Um, I love uh, science and stuff like that. I had grown up with parents who put a high value on making sure that we were outside for every like shuttle launch growing up, for every uh, spaceship, every kind of special sort of eclipse or anything like that. My parents were great about it. My dad um, is a middle school teacher and he was just really adamant about keeping that on our radar that we had to kind of wonder about the world and learning about it. And so it's one of those things that I would love to capture as a value for our family, but I fail most of the time. Um, and I'm thankful that Rachel uses our calendar sister to remind me when cool things are happening because in one week from tomorrow, solar eclipse is happening, right? Like the one in a lifetime event, like next Monday afternoon, three o'clock, it's happening right around here. And um, so I came back from Africa two weeks ago. I landed in New York on our way home. A bunch of our team is here today. Hi guys. Um, and, and I finally got back on Wi-Fi. I had like 3,500 or so calendar invitations. Thank you, Rachel. Um, for the year, but one of them was solar eclipse. And I was like, I'm so glad it's in there because I'll hear at like five o'clock that there's like a, a rocket ship going off. I'm like, oh, I gotta go out and see that. And it happens in 15 minutes. And unless I tell Alexa to remind me, it's just gone. Like we forget we're doing something else. And, and so it was so great that we, it's in there that we have a plan. And then the other day we were driving home, we started talking about like, what should we do for the eclipse, right? It's like this big once in a lifetime thing. Should we go up to South Carolina? Her sister lives there. Should we, should we drive up? Should we go see it there? And then we're like, well, we have school. What should we do? Well, we gotta have, we gotta get God at least. So I go on Amazon, they're sold out. And apparently they're all counterfeit anyway. Um, be careful. Um, but eBay has them. So we kind of come up with all these plans. And then we start thinking about like, well, what is the solar eclipse? So we started talking about it. And, and I remember back a couple of years ago, we were trying to teach the kids about the sun and the moon and, and how it all works. And I remember that we had sat out in the driveway and we had a flashlight and like a basketball was the earth and we used like a softball and we showed like the sun shining on the basketball. So I'm reminding her about that in the car while I'm driving with my knees and with no hand props. Like remember with the flashlight and the basketball and it just looked pretty ridiculous, I'm sure, to anyone driving by and very unsafe, don't do that. Um, we're probably texting too at the same time. Um, we wouldn't do that. But um, so we're doing that and we're trying to remember back and we're talking about like the, the, the lunar eclipse is when the sun gets in the way uh, or the earth gets in the way of the sun's source to the moon and that the moon uh, gets in the way of the sun when we're doing the solar eclipse. We're kind of going through all this and we're trying and we're having a hard time kind of going back. We're trying to explain it to the kids. And so finally the part where we could get on the same page was that there has to be a source of light. Like the moon doesn't create its own light. It's, it's only a reflection and that there's a source of light and that was the flashlight, right? So we kind of got back, we kind of broke it down to the very basics. There had to be a source of light, which was the sun. And that's where we were able to agree and start talking about what the solar eclipse really was. And it was really helpful because Maverick, my two-year-old, is just infatuated with the moon. He has all kinds of books about the moon. No matter what time of day it is, he'll find the moon out there. He loves the moon. And, and so being able to, you know, we're talking about it being just a reflection of the sun, it has to have a light source. And, and it was kind of going back to all of these lessons we had, but there had to be a source of light. The moon is just a reflection. Some of your minds just got blown because you forgot that, right? You're like, whoa. That's right, the moon doesn't have its own light. It's okay. Um, when you have little kids, you have to teach them again, you'll remember. But it had me thinking a lot about reflection, right? Because here's the moon and it, all it does is it reflects the source of light from the sun. Today, we're gonna be talking about that you and I, uh, we're made to reflect. That our purpose in life is to be reflections. And so it was really helpful to have this kind of event that's happening next week to go back to this idea and to remember what does it mean to reflect? What is a good reflection? The moon is a great reflector of the sun so that we can see it day and night. It marks the seasons. We're able to see all this around. But you and I are made to reflect. We're made in God's image. Let me remind you of a portion that we read here. It started back in 126 in this creation narrative. And here's what it said. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then at the end, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. If you remember the first five days, he creates the most amazing things, mountains and land and sea and sun and moon, day, night, populates it all with all the animals. And every time, at the end of each day, he says, it's good. And then he gets to us, he gets to you and I, and he looks and he says, it's very good. There, there is a part of God's creation where we're created in his image and we're created to be his image bearers and to be his reflections here on earth. Um, it was really fun. I was gone a lot this summer and uh, we brand all of these different um, speaker series or all the different sermons that we have. And so sometimes I sit down on those and kind of find out where they came from. But this one I completely missed. So I come back and I'm trying to find out like what's the next series? What are we, what are we talking about? And it's called Made for This. For the next four weeks, we're in a sermon series called Made for This. And I loved it because Young Life is a huge part of my life. Young Life has been a big part of, of how I came to Christ, of how I've served. And a few years ago, Young Life rebranded. They rebranded and their, their, their tagline now is, you were made for this. And the reason they did that is because it has this sense of adventure, right? It has a sense of you were created for something more. When we're talking to students, Young Life reaches out to high school, college, middle school, all these folks that are not yet interested in Jesus. And it starts with this idea. It's like you were actually made for this. You were created for something unique. So I love that we had a Young Life sermon series because I know that stuff. It's good. Um, and when I first started doing Young Life, we would uh, start this series we, every, every semester when we would share with students that were not yet interested in Jesus to tell him about them. We would start, we used to start with just jumping right in that God was a person, that God came to earth, that he was created uh, and that he came in the form of Jesus, that he was a person, an actual man on earth. And we used to jump right in. And we realized somewhere within the first few years that I was around that we were kind of missing a step, that, that though that was so important and we had to get there, there was a piece missing that we had to start back because Students, and I think students aren't so different than you and I, needed to be reminded of the character of God, that we were created by God, that you and I matter, that God has a heart, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose, because the world mostly tells us that we are valued, we are, we are worth what we can produce, we are worth the grades we make, we are worth the education we get, we are worth the work that we do, we are worth the way we look, we are worth the things that are external that then define who we are. And for most people, that's where they start. That's how we start believing. We see that pushed into our lives over and over and over again, and we needed to take a step back. And so it's become one of my favorite talks to do, whether it's at camp the first night or whether it's the first week of club, we kind of do it over and over again. We start with, you were created in the image of God. You were created by a God who is creative. You were created uniquely by him. And it started there and we started seeing the uptake because kids would lean in and go, oh, I'm created. God cares. God has a plan. God has a heart. God desires me. And it changed the, the tone of how we talked about this. We had to start with you matter. The whole story, the whole story starts with God's heart, um, his care, his desire to create, and then our inherent value that comes from that. This idea of being created in the image of God, this image of God means that no matter what I've done, no matter where I'm from, no matter my story, no matter my background, no matter how much I make, no matter what I can produce, no matter what I have done to other people or other people have done to me, I matter. That you matter. You are created in the image of God himself. You matter. Now, if you take God out of that and you start with this concept of I matter, it, it, it turns ugly pretty quick because that, 
leads to pride. Like you can go to the bookstore and find a whole self-help section that talks about how to get better, how to feel good about yourself. And again, it puts you right in the middle. It has to have external sources to define who you are, or you've got to try to muster up enough from within to figure out that I matter. And it ends up putting you right in the center of everything. It ends up putting you as God himself, like making you the middle of this island. And that's pride. Pride is the absence of God. Pride is the sin that I think is the most dangerous of them all. It's the one I wrestle with the most because it's so easy to take God out of the equation and just look to myself because we want to fix it. We want to bootstrap ourselves. We kind of grew up in a time in an era that says you can do it all. You're so important. You're, you, without God, I matter is just pride. But with God, I matter, you matter. That leads to value, to dignity, to worth, to created order by the creator himself. We start with I matter. We start with being created in the image of God because you and I are the pinnacle of God's design. Very good. And the desire of his heart. You and I are the pinnacle of God's design. After everything else he created that was good, you and I were very good. The top. And the focus of God's heart, all the rest had been created for us because he loved us so much. So we have to start with I matter. Now, where that can get tricky is because if you're watching the news like I did this weekend or watching your feed blow up and you're paying attention to Charlottesville and everything that's happening, it means that the people that I'm really frustrated with right now and really angry at and the people that seem to be propagating these terrible ideas, you know what? They matter. That's where it gets really hard because the people, no matter what they've done to you, no matter what they've said, no matter how much they've hurt you, no matter how insignificant they are to you, no matter how far away they are from you, no matter how little they intersect or how much they intersect with your story, they matter. They matter to God because they, the people sitting next to you, the people that aren't here today, are created in the image of God, even the ones you don't like. Now, I, I, I find it pretty easy to, to look at people that I like, like you guys, and like, oh yeah, they matter. It's a little bit harder with the people who haven't been so kind to you, with the people uh, that really get you worked up. They matter. I think we all walk into this in one place or another. I, for some of you, it's so easy to go towards they matter. You look around the world, you see the need in the world, and you jump to it. You jump in, you, you give... Uh, money, you get backpacks, you give of yourself, you give selflessly to the people that are around you. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your neighbors and you jump right into it. It's so easy to see that they matter. But maybe what, where you start with this, where you really need to be challenged is to dare to believe that you matter. That when you look in the mirror, that you've been created exactly how God wanted to create you. Uh, that you were uniquely and lovingly crafted by a God and that you were put in this exact situation, this exact season of life, this exact place, that God has created you and that you matter. Maybe that's where you have to start to untangle some of the lies that you, maybe you have received throughout your life. For some of you, you, you find it very easy to look in the mirror and you see the fingerprint of God upon you. You know that you matter, that you've been created, that you are, are this pinnacle of design. And, and maybe for you, the challenge is to, to look around you and to realize that they matter, that the people that are around you matter desperately to God, uh, especially those who aren't sitting next to you today, especially those who've hurt you, especially those who don't see things the way that you see them, that they matter to God. We both need to start in a place where we need to understand that I matter to God and that they matter to God. 
and then to let God untangle whatever binds us up in the understanding of that wherever we begin. Um, if you've ever wondered what makes this church tick, what makes Summit tick, why we do this, why do we come together every week? Why is this a church? Why is there a church anymore? Couldn't we just be friends on Facebook and call it a day? Couldn't we just uh, do something completely different? Why is this a church? And I really believe that the reason um, and what makes uh, our heart beat fast, why God has called the local church to be the local church and why specifically Summit is in our vision. Our, our vision is to build biblically functioning communities that reach lost people, connect in Christ-centered relationships, teach truth, serve others, and worship God. At the very front end of that, we join together and we reach lost people. Now, lost people are just people that don't yet know that they mattered to God. They're people that have not heard and embraced the truth that they are created uniquely in the image of God. That's someone who's lost. They just haven't heard the truth yet. They haven't heard and understood that they have been created by this loving, creative God. And so we start by reaching out to them. We start coming together and understanding who we are, who you and I have been created to be by God. And then through that, being able to go out and to lovingly share with other people who they are by getting to know them, by caring for them, by writing things that are wrong in the world, by letting them know that you matter. We start understanding that we matter so that we can tell other people that they matter we reach lost people. We share with them that they've been created. Um, this is why we have a backpack drive every year. Every year at the beginning of the year, we, we collect backpacks. And it's not just because it looks great, this tower of backpacks in there. And it's not just because it's really helpful, though it is. Uh, we do it because there are kids in the world who, when they show up on the first day of school, uh, that don't have a backpack. And they've been told a lie that they matter less than the kid who does. They've been told that because of their situation in life, there's something wrong with them, that they are less than, that they are broken, that they are... are created differently than the one who's next to him. So we kit backpacks together so that kids have dignity and worth and value. So when they walk in the first day of school, they are on equal footing with everyone else. And in one small way, we right a wrong. In one small way, we give dignity and share with those kids that you matter desperately to God. You have been created in his image and you matter. That's why we do a backpack drive. We don't go in there and proselytize them and put tracks in the backpack and make sure they believe what they do. We make sure that they know that they matter because it has to start with you matter. That's when the message starts getting across. It's the same reason we have a campus at the 33rd Street Jail. Every afternoon on Sunday, we have a campus there. We have church. And just like you and I are sitting here, they're sitting in a room and have church together. This is not a ministry of the church, the people that are broken and locked up. This is a campus of Summit that meets and is on equal footing. They are broken just like you and I are. And every week they are reminded that you are created in the image of God. Your, your worth and your value and your dignity come not from your situation, but by the, the one who has created you. And week after week, we show up to remind each other of that. Oftentimes, I think about the only difference between uh, most of us and most of the people in 33rd is they got caught, right? Like they're just in a place where they have a little bit more time to think about this. And so week after week, we remind each other that we've been created in the image of God, that we matter to God. Every week, our kids and students here at Summit show up and there are volunteers, many of you, who show up in their lives and tell them over and over and over again that you matter, that you've been created in the image of God. And it is such an important job. And I really hope you'll consider being a base camp volunteer because it's, I think it's one of the most important things we do. When they're young, we teach them three things. There's only three things when they're little that, they, that we want them to know. God made them, God loves them, Jesus wants to be their friend forever. Those first two sound a little bit familiar. God made them, God loves them. And we hammer that in week after week in all kinds of different ways. And we do that because it's easy to forget. You and I are forgetful, kids are forgetful. And we both need to be reminded over and over again, this baseline, you matter. God cares about you. 
those kids and those students, not only will they make a difference someday, though they will, they're the future of the church, they will be leading this place and running it, and some of them already are, but they matter right now. I don't know if you know this, but um, kids are not always the most productive people in life. Um, I have some of them at home, and if I were to just value them on what they can produce without a farm, I can't find a whole lot of value for my children right now. Um, But I love them. God has given us care and time to love them. He has called us to lead them and to share with them how much they matter to him. They matter right now, not just because of what they can produce in the future, but right now, today, those kids and those students matter. Um, My heart beats really fast for high school students with special needs. I've had the opportunity to serve with Capernaum through Young Life for the last 10 years, and it's just one of the more special things I get to do to be able to work with these kids um, that have been created differently than you and I. And then these kids have disabilities all over the map, and we don't start... Um, this process of knowing these kids by walking in and going through a 10-point checklist of making sure they cognitively understand everything we do. And we don't walk in and, and try to send this way. We, the, the way it starts is looking someone in the eyes and knowing their name, handshake, high five, a hug, because it writes a wrong. It, it starts to say, you matter. It has to start with you matter. It has to start with you've been created in the image of God. Because I, as I've thought about most of my friends that, that show up to Capernaum, it's not that they are told uh, that they're broken. Some of them are, uh, and that's a message that has to be undone. Most of them are just told that you're invisible. You're not even here. Like you show up at school, you go home, uh, you don't have a life. You're just invisible. And by showing up in the life of, of one of these students, be able to look them in the eye and know their name and to care for them, it starts to right or wrong. It starts to build this idea that you matter. And not that you matter about what you can do or what you have become, but you matter right now that God created you uniquely, exactly the way you are. It's an incredible thing to watch when that clicks. And what happens in return is we're being able to remember that I am created as well. Not just them, but myself. If you wondered why Summit um, spends an ordinate amount of time and money to get people all uh, kinds of uh, flights, 30 hours across the world, uh, shots and tons of malaria pills and all that good stuff, to go to a little village in the middle of Malawi, one of the poorest countries in the world, and one of the poorest villages in the poorest countries of the world. Why do we spend so much time and energy and effort to go over there and sometimes to not even build anything? We get the question like, like, what did you build? What did you do? And it's like, we, we didn't do any of that. We went and spent time with people and we encouraged. We got to know each other. Why in the world do we do that? Because the folks we go visit are created in the image of God. And there's something that is said when we go and visit and spend time and listen to their stories that reminds them that they matter. And, and something happens in our midst too that we're reminded that we matter, that, that they don't matter more than I do and I don't matter more than they do, but we've both been created in the image of God. That's why when I go over, I get to see my friend Simeon. Uh, Simeon, we, Rachel and I and our family started sponsoring Simeon about a year ago when we were uh, in Malawi for the first time. And Simeon's just is one of my favorite people in the world. That smile is on Simeon most of the time. Um, Simeon's on the autistic spectrum probably. He's got some developmental delays. Uh, he's somewhere between eight and 18 years old. We're not entirely sure. Uh, we get different answers all the time. We think he's 12, um, according to his mom. And, uh, but Simeon has a hard road, right? Like these are, this, is, this would be a hard road here. And he's living in a place of material poverty of, of all of these things. Simeon matters to God. I show up in Malawi because Simeon matters to God. And because Simeon matters to God and because he's created in the image of God, he reminds me that I'm created in the same image, that I matter. It's like, it's pretty easy sometimes for me to, to, to be reminded that they matter when I'm with them. But it has to come back to that I matter. I'm created in the same image. Um, as I was flipping through pictures last night, um, I came across this one and I had kind of forgotten this moment, though at the time it was extremely profound. Um, on the last day of our time in Malawi, we get to have a celebration, uh, um, 
uh, volunteer, um, a sponsor lunch where we invite all the, the, the kids that we sponsor and ones that we've sponsored during the week. We often get to meet the, the folks that you sponsor. Many of you sponsor kids in Malawi and we'll take presents over and gifts or notes of encouragement and share it with them. One of the amazing things is so that far wall there um, on the other side of that wall is McGuire Village, which is where a lot of our kids live. And in fact, 80% of the kids that, that live there are sponsored by families here at Summit. Astounding. And it's just incredible the hearts you have for these kids. So we're sitting there at the appreciation lunch and I had invited Simeon and I was looking forward to hanging out with him. It's kind of our last day. It was the last time I was gonna get to see him and he's just not showing up. He's not there. And I'm asking around like, where's Simeon? And it's getting to like, I, I probably seemed a little um, frantic because um, I kept bugging the people so much. Like, can you get Simeon here? And at one point I just walked down. I'm like, well, maybe if I just go look, there's a, that, there's, there's a little door, you can barely see it. It's in the far back and that's the door that leads down there. And I just kept looking at that door thinking, maybe if I just look hard enough, he'll walk through it, right? Um, and there's those, those moments um, that you have. I, I believe that we're gifted with those from time to time where the veil uh, between us and God is lifted a bit, where we're able to see a little bit more clearly the heart of God. I feel like that was one of those moments of teaching for me. As I was looking at it, I had this image of the story of the lost son, of the prodigal son, that God showed up day after day and stood at his wall and just looked out of the dusty, dirty road, waiting for his son to come home. And for just a second, as I was looking and waiting for Simeon, so excited that he might show up, I was reminded that that's how much God cares about me and cares about you because we've been created by him and for him. We show up and we tell other people they're created in the image of God because we've been created in the image of God and together we need to remind each other uh, of that. Um, I don't have a whole lot more time to share about things that happened in Africa, though many of you have asked. And next Sunday, following the 11 o'clock service, we're just gonna hang out in here for a while. Some of the folks on the team will be here and we'll share stories. So I'd invite you, if you're interested to hear more about that, to, to stick around and hear more with us. You and I are made to reflect. And we've been created in the image of God. And, and we matter. And they matter. And we start there. We start in the beginning so that we understand who we are as well as whose we are. Um, reflection, though, is always dependent on something else. Just like the moon does not create its own source of life, that it needs the sun as a source of light to reflect. Just like a mirror does not produce an image on its own, it needs an image source to reflect back. You and I are, can only reflect something if there's a source for that reflection. A reflection always is dependent on something else. But the truth is, because you and I were made to reflect, because we're created from the beginning to be reflectors, that we will reflect something if not God. We will reflect something if not God, something less than what God had in mind when he thought us up. Um, in Romans 1.21, it says this, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And then it goes on to list all the ways that we have created a broken image of what God looks like, of living less than, of a list of brokenness, a list of less than good reflections of God. When we are left to our own reflections, it is not pretty. We are not created to reflect ourselves. It turns dark so quickly. And many of us know that from our own stories, from our own lives, maybe even the moments that we are here today, we understand that life lived trying to reflect ourselves or without the source of reflection is a less than life. It is an ugly picture of what life was created to be. The only way it works as it should is when we are reflecting the one who created us in his image to begin with. 
And so how do we do that? We're gonna be unpacking that over the next three weeks. We have chosen this series of talking about how do we live this life? What are we created for uh, at the beginning of this year? I know for not all of us, it's the beginning of the year, but there's something about the fall. There's something about the busyness of the season of school being back in and football season counting, however you measure your year. Um, But there's something about this time of year where there seems to be more thought about what's going on. And so we're gonna be spending the next few weeks looking at these three areas of our life that we reflect them through our relationships, through our work, and through grace. And Zach is going to be joining us and teaching us more throughout these coming weeks about how does that look. But the idea that I want to leave you with today is that a reflection reflects. Part of our job is being made in the image of God. Part of our job is being made as reflectors is to reflect. There are good mirrors and there are bad mirrors. There are two, there are all kinds of different kinds of mirrors. Rachel found one on the side of the road the other day. It was in front of a a church, which you know is not going to be a good mirror if a church is throwing it out. Um, We tend not to do that very often. But this mirror looks really cool, but it is a bad reflector. Like it's all distorted. There's all kinds of like rust behind it, but it looks cool for whatever, what are we going for? Shabby chic, I don't know what that word is. Um, it's a bad reflector. There are really good reflectors. I, I really like the mirror at Planet Fitness. I think it's slimming. Um, it's a great reflector. Um, and then there are mirrors that are just made to distort. If you've ever been in a fun house and they, they're, they're made to throw you off and to disorient you, there are all kinds of different mirrors. We have the responsibility as mirrors, as reflectors of God himself, as being image bearers of God, to be good mirrors. It's one of the things he calls us to, if we're a follower of him, to be a good bearer of his image. And we do that by reflecting on Jesus himself so that we can reflect Jesus himself. I'll say that again. We do that by reflecting on Jesus himself so that we can reflect Jesus himself. I'm gonna read a passage from 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18 as we kind of wrap up our time. And it's from, I'm gonna use the message translation. It's not a translation I use that often, but I I think Eugene Peterson did a really good job of breaking this idea down. He said, the government of death, its constitution chiseled on stone tablets, had a dazzling inaugural. Moses' face as he delivered the tablets was so bright that day, even though it would fade soon enough, that the people of Israel could no more look right at him than stare into the sun. How much more dazzling than the government of living spirit? If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one. That makeshift arrangement impressed us how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity. With that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away and they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then and they don't notice it now. Don't notice that there's nothing left behind that veil. Even today, when the proclamations of that old bankrupt government are read out, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil so they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, That old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And let me read that again. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. 
our next right step is to look at the one whom we want to reflect. It's to spend time with Jesus, to get to know him, to be in his presence, to be around others who know him. By being in his presence, by knowing him, by being around the one who we wanna be like, we become more and more like him. We have to know who he is like and what he is like so that we can become more like him. And something happens, not only do we learn it, but then he starts changing us himself. We need to let his light be the light that shines in and through each and every one of us. What is, I find really encouraging about that passage, though, is that this is a process. It says that we are being changed. We are being transfigured. There's an active sense to it. There is something that happens as we spend more time that we become more and more like him. It takes work. It takes time. And he does that work in us, but there's a part of us where we have to get in his presence as well. Individually, it's amazing what happens when a life is changed, when one of you is turned on by him, by, by, when that light shines and when your life becomes looking more and more like him, it's incredible and we celebrate it. But when multiple people, when the church together starts to look like him, that light becomes so bright and, and we are in a world that desperately needs that light. And together we can reflect that light. We can be the image bearers together so much better than we can on our own. And, and so my hope and prayer for you is that each and every one of us take that seriously, that we take the time to be with him so that we can look more like him. And then together that we can really be a light in this world as we shine together. Let's pray. God, you are a creative God. You are a God who loves us. You are a God who has a heart for us. You are a God who creates. You are a God who believes that each and every person here and each and every person who's not here and each and every person who has hurt us, each and every person that seems so far away from who we are has been created in your image, in the image of God. And you call us as we recognize that, as we understand that, as we spend time with you, as we are captured by you and start following you to become more and more your image bearers, become more and more a reflection of you. Um, God, it's work that you do. And as we place ourselves in your midst, as we get to know you, you start to work on us. And over time, we have the opportunity to look more and more like you. And that is an incredible and amazing and humbling and beautiful thing. Individually, it's amazing. Our lives look different as we celebrate, as our families then look different as that light shines upon them. But together as a church, as the local church is the hope of the world as groups of people and communities that you have called together on purpose. We have the opportunity to look more and love more and be lights for you in the midst of this world. And God, there is nothing that I can imagine that would be better news than groups of people reflecting you, that this church being the bearer of your image and not as a reflection of Summit Church, but the reflector of God himself in the midst of this world and sharing with people that are both far and near, that they have been created in your image and matter and that you have good work you wanna do in their lives as well. So God, I pray for us. I pray that you would help us to get to your presence, that you would help us to be good mirrors, that you uh, would continue to work in and through our lives to look more and love more like you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.